This is People Like Us, a show about Alt-MBA alumni. Here's Dirk Lehman from Alt-MBA 12. Thanks, Dirk, for taking the time to chat today. Um, you have a, a, a really interesting origin story um, in that I, I heard that you were born in a country that no longer exists. So I think that would be a great place to uh, to start. What's the backstory uh, on that? Well, it's a, a pretty simple story because I'll reveal the country straight away. Um, it's the former German Democratic Republic. And uh, I was born there officially, so I still have uh, a passport with this nationality. Um, the country doesn't exist legally anymore. Of course, the region is still there and the people there are probably better off than they were when the country um, still existed. But I... I use it very often um, in my introductions when I introduce myself to other people for two reasons. First of all, it's an amazing way to create tension in the room because I won't reveal in many cases when I introduce myself what that country was. And I've been to uh, workshops where I spend two days and at the end of the second day, some attendee approaches me and he's like, yeah, like great presentation, great training you gave. But like, what was that country that he mentioned on the very first day in the morning? Like, I really want to know what that is. And I think it's a great uh, way to stay in people's mind because it's quite unique. But and on the other side, and I certainly believe that to be true, what it taught me is, although I was, I think I was four or five years old when the reunion in Germany happened, so I don't have any like vivid memories of it. But what it taught me is that we can literally change everything because I think almost every one of us would see a country as some, uh, something of permanent and of uh, consistency and something that doesn't change. But back then in the days, my parents and, and some of their friends, they went out on the street and they went on to demonstrate and they were politically active and they were actually able to uh, get rid of an entire country and its political system. And that happened back then through stories and through common objectives and goals and the shared vision of how life should look like. And now, if we look at like social media, internet, and all the technology we have, that possibility becomes even bigger of creating a similar change. So I think I see it as an inspiration for myself that there is probably literally nothing that we cannot change that we don't want to, and that everything can be changed to the better, even an entire country and its political system. Wow. There's so much to take away there. Um what's the change that you're working on these days then? Like when you hold that aspiration in your mind, what, um, what are you, what are you seeking to change these days? Well, one, one big change that I want to create in the future is to make entrepreneurship and innovation programs accessible to everybody. So it's not depending on where you're born or what your origin is or what the country is that you happen to be born in that decides what resources you have available to if you feel like it, um, create an entrepreneurial journey or a business for yourself. And I guess it's also related to my own journey that I started off in a corporate organization and for the last couple of years have been um, self-employed myself. And I believe certainly that um, every like, if everybody would tackle the problem they care about the most in an entrepreneurial way, um, probably we could as a whole crowd altogether solve the biggest challenges humanity is facing right now. And instead of relying on the government or big organizations and those people on top 
um, to take care of us and to solve those problems for us. I think it's everybody's obligation to consider what is the future that we're leaving behind for our next generation and what can I maybe do to make it a tiny bit better in my own environment and to have the courage to raise your hand, speak up, um, talk about the change that you want to create and, and make it possible and giving the right resources, tools, methods, um, and mentor network to everybody who's willing to raise their hand and walk that journey is uh, something that has been driving my work for the last couple of years. And in your work, do you, I guess, do you see a common, I guess, gap or opportunity that for those that, that are considering entrepreneurship, is there, is there something that time and time again is, is missing? Well, I think the, the biggest challenge that almost every entrepreneur goes through is not necessarily how to create the right product or amazing technology or how to promote themselves, but rather really put themselves into the shoes of their customer. I mean, we all start off with an idea that some some point comes to our mind and we might be able to build a small team around it. Um, but I always tell people, you know, the, the idea has served its purpose once there is a team formed and you maybe get some structured support. But at that point, you can actually throw the idea into the bin and really look at the customer that you want to focus on and consider yourself, what is consider what does their life look like, what they really need, what are the struggles they're going through. And practice a lot of empathy to not judge them and be, they don't get my product. They don't get your product. It's not their fault. It's you communicating your product in a wrong way or maybe not fitting perfectly into their journey. And making that transition of being obsessed over your product to being obsessed about the problem um, is, I think, uh, a journey that takes every entrepreneur quite some uh, effort because we all love our products. It's or their own babies. Um, we're emotional about them. But I think every entrepreneur who manages to make a transition to be obsessed about a problem, um, all of a sudden sees such a, so much more possibility of solutions and opportunities, how to actually make this world a better place and is actually capable of looking at his potential customers and users without judgment that a lot of amazing new solutions can appear and come up. Yeah, I, I think that at a very surface level, a lot of people would agree with that. I think the challenge comes with, well, how do I do that? Um, and how would you answer that? So for someone who, who agrees, like, oh, yes, I need to practice more empathy. I need to understand um, my customer better, be able to walk in, in, in her shoes. How, how do they do that? It's a lot about asking the right questions um so when we uh, when we approach potential customers and we want to understand them better i think a natural tendency that people have is that they're looking mostly for confirmation that they're right and that people like their product they like their solution and they like their approach to the market however if you ask someone would you buy my product um, nobody wins anything out of that question because for me as a consumer, it's easy to say, yes, I love your product, but probably please never get in touch with me again. You won't say the second part of it, but that's what you think. It's just an easy out of the conversation. However, the other step that you can take is um, rather ask people about past behavior and ask them, when was the last time that you experienced that problem? What was that like? What was the hard part experiencing that problem? What did you do about it? Did you 
do a single search on Google to find a solution. Because if they didn't, most likely it wasn't a problem if we don't even devote like one or two seconds on that topic. Um, so I think it takes a lot of an open mind and a mindset of curiosity, not confirmation, to really try to understand where they're coming from, what are their struggles, without judgment and without trying to fit your product into their life, but rather without an idea in the back of your head. Um, thinking about what does their life look like? What do they really care about? And what does the problem they're facing do with their life? And what can you maybe do in order to make it better? Do you have someone or, uh, or a company that comes to mind that does this really well, that really, that, that someone could look to as a, Oh, this is, this is a good exemplar of how to, how to understand the customer or how to put them first. Well, I think like beyond the, the like big technology companies at all, I think have succeeded because they continuously tailor their products to the customer's needs. I think one company comes to my mind that I actually worked with uh, while I was running a digital health program in um, Dubai. And it was a Chinese company and they had um, developed a heart rate sensor, sensor just the size of like a $1 um, coin that the mother could put on her belly on the 20, after the 24th week of the pregnancy and it would detect the heart rate, the movement, the hiccups, um, all the physical signals that uh, the fetus would, would show. And they were hoping to make uh, the pregnancy easier with more information, especially on the medical side. Uh, but once they developed the product and it took them like two and a half years to do so and like a lot of money, uh, a lot of time, the product didn't sell well. Although at the beginning, they had found statistics that said that 80% of all mothers are anxious about the pregnancy and they want to get more details. So when we started working with them, we told them about this whole idea of customer discovery and understanding the customer. And they pulled off something quite remarkable and went back to uh, China for about two weeks. And within two weeks, interviewed 200 uh, mothers and pregnant mothers in China. And they came back with an interesting insight that only 5 to 10% of all mothers were anxious about the pregnancy. Actually, most of them said, I don't want to have any medical heart rate details or anything because that's just going to make me go crazy and I'll be even more worried. But on the other side, I feel like I cannot really share the experience of the pregnancy with my relatives. My husband only gets some ultrasound pictures every once in a while. He can maybe touch my belly, but he doesn't really get a sense of what the fetus feels like. Even the mothers themselves said that they felt somehow a little bit disconnected to the baby because it was all that was inside of them, there wasn't a strong connection. And they said that like relatives didn't really know what was going on. So what they did in the end is they kept exactly the same product. They didn't change any of the features, but they took out like the pre-SARS heart rate monitoring. They turned that into a recording option for the heart rate, for the heartbeat itself. Uh, they added the option to create songs and pictures out of the movements and hiccups the baby was making inside of the belly and just turned it into a fun social experience that would allow mothers to share the heartbeat and everything with their husband, with their grandparents, uh, uh, with the entire family and relatives about how the baby was doing. And within two weeks with the exact same products, the sales tenfolded, went up before the company was close to being bankrupt. Four months after that change, they were cash positive. And actually, maybe this year, they are looking at a three-digit million-dollar exit with the product unchanged up to this day. And of course, it's capable of detecting a precise heart rate but the customer never wanted to have this piece of information. And I think that showed me that just with a few conversations with 
uh, open conversations with pregnant mothers, not trying to confirm that they need that medical device, but rather trying to understand what are you struggling with during your pregnancy? What do you wish you would have in your life? Um, you can create amazing business opportunities and make the life of pregnant mothers better as they would like it to be. That is an amazing story. We really can tell that by focusing on the customer, they were able to turn things around and not um, not be so beholden to what they felt they were they were trying to bring to the market. So you, you hit a, a a pretty major milestone lately. Um, January first of twenty nineteen, you've you've been self employed for as many years as you were, uh, I guess fully employed by a, uh, by a corporation. Um, what does that, what does that mean for you? How do you, how do you feel about that now that you've, you've hit that, that milestone? Amazing. (laughs) Because if you would have asked me, um, back then when I left the corporate organization, what is your life going to be like in four years? I literally had no answer at all. And actually like the switch that I made four years ago was, for me personally, one of the biggest leaps I took because um, I had just handed in my notice and I had nothing new lined up. I came to the point where I realized that the culture and the way the organization was working wasn't suiting my life anymore and even turned into some physical issues as well and some health issues that my body started (coughs) sending me signals that this wasn't the right place for me anymore. And it took me actually one and a half years from the moment that I first felt that something was wrong in a job until I finally handed in my notice paper. So making that leap was like a major step. But at the same time, it was a big relief to just open up for possibility because I figured at a point I was in my end 20s. Um, I luckily had never really increased my standard of living dramatically while I was earning definitely good money in that organization. So I had a bit of cash left on the side and I realized there's probably not going to be another point in life when it's going to be that easy to make that switch. And um, what followed after that was just an incredible journey of looking at the opportunities that showed up in my life and deciding on the spot whether I would take it or not. So there was actually no plan on what I wanted to do next. I wanted to give myself some space to figure out more the, the values and topics that I really cared about and understand was putting me into the flow moment and was giving me just pure joy and yeah I, I opened up to any possibility that showed up any project that i was excited about and that took me to various countries various organizations many different projects that i was able to work on and what i'm most excited about today is that i'm happy about sunday because sunday is the day when it's about to start again and i'm definitely um, I mean, I'm, I'm still happy about Fridays. <laughs> I'm not that much of a workaholic that I'm getting depressed when Friday comes around the corner. I'm excited for the weekend. But if I compare it to some of my friends that always get into the Sunday mood depression because another work week starts, I'm really glad that I'm not on the other side and I'm excited looking forward to a new work week ahead. And um, yeah, that I can probably say, even if I would win, five or $10 million, I don't know, the lottery tomorrow, I would probably continue doing the same thing that I'm doing now. Um, probably, probably with more leverage and more possibilities, but I'll probably end up doing the same thing. Yeah. It sounds like you have a much healthier relationship with, with your work. 
um, now than, than you did four years ago. What, I guess, what's next for you if now that you, um, you've done this for four years, what, what do you see the next four years looking like? Uh, is it, is it easier to, to picture? Uh, and if so, what do you, what do you see? I mean, I'm still like one part that I'm always struggling with is this question, to what extent should you set goals and plan your life? And to what extent should you go with the opportunities that show up? What has worked for me over the last four years is that I set some boundaries for my life um, or like topics I want to focus on boundaries in the sense of like, you know, I probably wouldn't go for like a full-time employment. It needs to be a possible to do it as a self-employed person, should be around entrepreneurship, um, focused on real honest um, programs. And has it worked quite well for me? Um, I guess one question for the next four years is, do I want to maybe shift closer to the side of actually setting up goals? Which comes with a challenge of all of a sudden you raise your hand, you say you're going to do something and people can hold you accountable for um, something that's probably one of my, the challenges of my lifetime, whether I'm uh, up for that or not. But what I want to focus on is certainly make entrepreneurship programs accessible to more people um, to use modern communication tools and technology we have available now to bring it to countries and regions that might not have the same access, but also to inspire people to see this possibility in their life um, to go on an entrepreneurial journey to also maybe consider reconsider their life within a corporate organization, um, whether there's an alternative for them out there. And yeah, and also find possible ways how the tools and methods and the structure that the MBA has implemented to focus on more peer-to-peer learning versus workshops and mentors and kind of like, once again, people from the top coming in and teaching others. Because something I strongly believe when it comes to entrepreneurship programs is that founders are already amongst themselves the best mentors they can get. Because these are the people who are indeed in the same situation as they are. They all have a unique life experience they can bring to the table. And for, I would say, 80% of the topics that you deal with as a founder, there's not a right or wrong answer anyway. So there's no need to rely only on expert opinions, but rather to use the people that you're surrounded with every day because that is something that is scalable and that can grow to infinity if you only focus on serial entrepreneurs and expert mentors they are never scalable and they're a limited resource that can probably never serve the entrepreneurship ecosystem to an extent that we need it in order to grow the economy and to solve the problems that we're currently facing i have one one last question that i ask everyone that I talked to. One of the goals of the show is to help all MBA alumni connect with one another. So how would you fill in the blank? Reach out if blank. Definitely reach out if you have a story or an idea or better, if you have an idea that you want to share with an engaging story, because one thing I also do um, for a lot of people is I help them shape their presentations and pitches and create engaging stories that actually resonate with the audience and help them connect them with the people they will need to talk to in order to make the ideas happen. And I think we have a lot of incredible ideas within the OpenBA community, a lot of amazing projects that everybody carries with them. But then there's sometimes the fear of like, will other people get it? Will I be able to connect with the right people? And that's once again, not 
up to these people, but rather up to the story that you create around it and how you make it engaging. And then also, if you consider entrepreneurship a topic you care about, if you care about entrepreneurship um, programs, if you want to inspire the community around you um, to do more on this topic, I'm always happy to jam with people on what works, what doesn't work, because nobody yet has found the golden bullet to entrepreneurship success. And I think that will never happen. So I think also there, it's a matter of combining a lot of opinions, being open to new perspectives and yeah, combining the best to make uh, the future better. Well, thank you, Dirk, for, for being a part of this community and, and for that work that you're, that you're doing. Um, it really, it really makes a difference. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Check out the show notes for ways to contact Dirk.